So every year I get to the Pasha Shmini, this week's Pasha, and I like start again. I, I can't get away from Nadava Aviv. You know, the end of the parish is about kosher animals and birds. And so maybe that's why I can't get away from my dog. But maybe that's, that's the other, the other possibility. So my dog uh, uh, I just want to tell you that my dog are mentioned four times in the Chumash. Four different times in the Chumash, which you might say, indicates that, that there's something important happened with Nadav and Aviv, even though it's not so obvious what it was. If you look at the sheet, on the second side of the sheet, see the three psukim at the bottom, or towards the bottom. Those three psukim, by the Hashem and Moshe, Achrei Mot. This is the beginning of the parasha of Achrei Mot. And this is the parasha that discusses Yom HaKippurim. And we, in fact, we read this parasha in Yom HaKippurim. And what does the Pasuk say? So this is a benchmark. It's not, a, not only they died, but we remember that they died when we go to do the Avodah on Yom HaKippurim. The second pasuk there is in Bamidbar. Vayamot nadav aviv v'nei Hashem v'hakrivam eish zara v'nei Hashem. They die. Vakrivam eish zara. We'll talk about that word zara in a minute. I just want to make sure that you know that there are four occasions where this is mentioned. Eish zara v'nei Hashem v'nei Sinai uvanim lo yulahem. So Aaron had four sons, two died, and the other two sons became Kohanim and followed in the footsteps of their father Aaron. So from these Sukiman we learn two things. One is that somehow the Torah felt it was very important to mention Nadav Avihu on a variety of occasions. The second thing that at least two of these psukim say is that Bakrivam Eish Zara. Bakrivam Eish Zara. The word Zara, like I'm just looking, we're not looking yet at Rashi, but we will. Eish Zara. Uh, uh, what's Zara? What does that word mean? So, if you are the type of person who looks at a dictionary, so you might find that the word means foreign, uh, un- unnecessary, certainly not what you would expect, the Zah. But we know that in Vayikra, there's a phrase in the book of Vayikra which was invented, which was invented by the Torah to tell us that you can't do whatever you want. You can't live the way you want and also be included in Shomrei HaTorah, the people who keep the Torah. That phrase is Hazar HaKarev Yumat. The Zar who comes close 
he will be killed. We don't know if he'll be killed in Bidash Hamayim or be killed by Aris, but this idea, this idea that once there's a Beit HaMikdash, suddenly you've created Zarut. You've created foreign, something foreign. That it doesn't belong. You can't come, come every place, you can't do everything. Are you raising your head? I can't, I can't see so well, so you have to... What? In the Mishnah, it's a non-Kohen. It is a, it is a non-Kohen. No, I have one. What I, oh, oh, this is, oh, this is fine. Look, you're right. Zar is the name of anybody who's in the wrong place. And the, and the, the word that, uh, this word, Zar, it's connected very much to the Beit Amikdash. That there are gvulot. There are limits. We'd like to talk about that today because the psychologists got us into that with our children, like you have to teach the children that there are limits. There are gvulot. But, in the Torah, the limits and the, and the, uh, the gvulot, like the boundaries, are established, are established by the Torah. There's certain things that you're allowed to do, and there's certain things that you're not allowed to do. In which case, if if uh, uh, if Nadana Ziyu did something that you're really not allowed to do, then it doesn't seem to me to be such an extraordinary matter, or something that you would expect would be referred to four different times in the Torah. You know, here's the right thing, here's the wrong thing. They did the wrong thing. I mean, why is he different than Cain and Cain the Heather? Why is he different than Adam Rishon, who, who ate from the Eitz Hadat? I mean, that's what another is. I mean, what do we have to keep looking back at uh, Nadav Avihu in the book of Ayikra and the book of, of, uh, of Bamidra? So let's look. Let's look on the, on the uh, first side. Let's see how this Avera is discussed and explained in the Torah. So we'll try to explain it as we know the Hebrew that we know. And then we'll look at Rashi. And then we'll look at the Rashba. Okay? So the Patsuk says, it's the second source on the page. See, it says, by Yikra Perikyut. Now look. So this is not a machta. A machta is a ya'eh. What do you call that in English? Yes. But I don't mean it does matter, but it looks like it does matter. What? Uh, a censor. That's what they say. Right, King James. Censor. Uh, it, was, it, it, it contained codes. Hot coals. It was fire a, a fire pan. It was something that you used to transmit coals from one from the big fire to a little fire. That's so. So this is vayikhu ish machdato. So is that an avayer? Did they do anything wrong? Not yet. Vayiknu had ish, and they put in them a fire. I guess they don't mean, it doesn't mean a fire, but it means coals. Hot coals that could produce a fire. But that's what they put into the censer. Vayasimu aleha kitorit. 
What a, what's Ketoret? What? Right, incense. So the incense mixed with the coals produces the smell. Right? So that's, and that's called the Ketoret. By Akrivu Lifnei Hashem, Eish Zarah. Now what did they do? Oh, it's not perfectly clear. By Akrivu Lifnei Hashem, Eish Zarah. So we know that the Ketoret was put the, to the real Ketoret, the Ketoret was legitimate, was put on the Mizbeah HaZahav. Mizbeah HaZahav, the golden uh, Mizbeah, which was inside of the Heichal, right? The Kodesh, what we call Kodesh, as opposed to the Kodesh Kodeshim. In the Kodesh Kodeshim there was only, what was there in the Kodesh Kodeshim? What? The Aron. Only the Aron. Right? And the Aron had Badim. Badim. Badim are poles. The poles. The poles that we used to carry the Aron with. For some reason, everything else that was carried by poles, when you set it down, they took the poles out. But in the Aron, they left the poles in the Aron, and in fact, the poles designated a place, the place where the blood was spritzed on Yom HaKippurim. Is that place on the ground. In Bayacheni, just to finish the thought, Bayacheni there was no Aron. The Aron disappeared. There was no Aron of Bayacheni. So how do they do the Avodah on Yom HaKippurim? They knew the place. How did they know the place? That was where the Evan Shtiya was. The Evan Shtiya is a stone. It was a stone in the ground, which is associated with the beginning, with the creation, with Evan Sh- the Evan Shtiya. So, what did they do? They said, by Yakrivu Lifnei Hashem Eish Zarat. So, by Yakrivu is the word Karov. Karov with Nehashem, where's Karov with Nehashem? The Mizbeach Azahav, that's inside the uh, Kodesh. Right? They went inside, that's with Nehashem. With Nehashem maybe is the Parochet that divides up the Kodesh from the Kodesh Kodeshim. Right? I want to tell you, I want to tell you, if you learn Parshat HaShavua every week, for the next 20 years, you'll get this. You'll know exactly what was happening. But it takes 20 years. Listen. Akrivu Eish Zarah Eish Zarah Asher Lotziva Otav Now, that sounds like a redundancy, doesn't it? In other words, by definition, Zarah means that's not what you're supposed to do. That's not what God commanded. So why does the Pasuk add and say, Asher lo tziva otam. Asher lo tziva otam. But we have some idea of what happened. Right? They, they brought a Ktoret that was not demanded by the Torah. And since it was not demanded by the Torah, you should not have brought it. You know, going into the Kodesh, Kodesh Kodeshim, going in is, is only permitted 
when the Torah says it's permitted. You can't do it otherwise. Okay, so that's the, the description of the Avera. The description of the Avera. Now listen to what Rashi says. You see below Rashi? Okay, this is a little odd. Rashi gets it from the Gemara, but what does it mean? What does it mean? What, what would prompt Rabbi Eliezer to say that the sin of Nadanta Avihu was that they usurped the halakhic authority of Moshe Rabbeinu and decide on their own to do it. What, what could have brought Rabbi Lozat to say such a thing? I mean, it's not indicated in the Pasuk at all. I mean, why make up such a story? But the Pasuk says quite clearly, the Pasuk says quite clearly, they, 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 it was Nesara. What do you have to add on the fact this immediately Rabbi Lazar is saying that there's something there's something odd about this story and that if not for the fact that they uh, didn't ask Moshe Rabbeinu's permission they would have gotten away with it but because they didn't ask Moshe Rabbeinu they were summarily punished right Rabbi Yishmael Omer Allah comes Rabbi Yishmael and he says, everybody knows this Rashi, he said Shtuyei Yayin Nisnesum HaMikdash Shtuyei Yayin Everybody knows that the next parashat in Shmini, Hashem says to Aaron Adon, don't drink whiskey or don't drink Shekhar before you go into the Beit HaMikdash it is permitted prohibited but if Hashem said that to Aaron after Nadav Aviyu died, how could Rabbi Yishmael say that that was their sin? How were they supposed to know that you're not allowed to go into the Beit HaMikdash if you're drunk? Since it hasn't been, hasn't been stated yet. Well, maybe you could put all of this together somehow, but let's go on first. Kedah. He says, after, after, uh, Rashi says, after this all happened, there was a specific command given by God to, uh, to Aaron and his children that they should not drink before they go and do avoda in the, in the Beit HaMikdash. Okay, that's enough of Rashi. The Mashal is left out, it's in Vayikra Rabba. Let's go to the next Pasuk. Pasuk Bet. Pasuk Bet, you see it? But they say, Hashem. Mi Lifnei Hashem. Right? Where did they, where did they do their Aveira? Lifnei Hashem. Where did the fire come out from? Mi Lifnei Hashem. Mi Lifnei Hashem. Okay, by Yomem Hashem, but they say Eishu Lifnei Hashem betochalo tam by Yamutu Nachamu Lifnei Hashem. So this is the punishment. The punishment was not a regular punishment. 
It was like, not by Korach. Remember Korach? How was he punished? He was, the earth swallowed him up. This is a, a very special kind of punishment that the fire of heaven consumed them. What does the fire in heaven usually do? What does it consume? The fire? The, the korban. So it looks like the punishment seems to indicate that the Adavah became a korban. They themselves were sacrificed. Oh yeah. So if they were sacrificed. Is that good or bad? Does it say that they are good and say that they are bad? I mean, we know that Yitzchak was sacrificed. God said to Avraham sacrifice him. Which seems to indicate to me that if a father will carry out the divine demand to sacrifice his son, in some way that's a good thing. The fact is that the angel told Avraham don't don't do it. Don't do it. How do you explain that? What does that mean? Don't do it. Well, one possible explanation is that if you, Abraham, were capable of doing something so difficult only because God told you to do it, then it would be acceptable. But since we don't know if you could do that, there can never be there can never be such a sacrifice. We know from ancient different kinds of literatures, right? Greek literature, Moabite literature, uh, not too much. Greek, very big. That that sacrificing children was not an unknown demand. Right? It's something that people who wanted to show their great devotion were able to were able to do. Right? Sacrificing children. It sounds horrible to us, but it was around. It was around until the Torah said, no, you can't do it. But apparently, because you can't muster up the faith necessary, there are too many negative things involved, like the purity of the act is not acceptable, it's not conceivable. You can't do that. So that's what it says. That's what it says in the Pasuk, where you mutu with me Hashem, everything is with me Hashem, with me Hashem. Pasuk Gimel. Vayomam Moshe Aaron, who Hashem did me Hashem leimor. So Moshe Rabbeinu comes and he says to Aaron, he's going to, he's going to be menachem him. Right, he consoles him. His two sons, his older sons, were just swallowed up by a fire from heaven because they did something wrong. What possible consolation could there be for the father of these two sons? So Moshe Rabbeinu says, this is what God meant when he said, Bekrovai Ekadesh. Bekrovai Ekadesh. It sounds like it means, those close to me, I will be sanctified by that. Bekrovai Ekadesh. Which again sounds like what are we saying about Nadav Avir? Good people or bad people? The Krovaya Kadesh sounds like good. Like they're good. There was this whole story about the Eshara. 
Well, what, what is all of that? If they're good people, because why are they? So Aaron hears these words. Well, He says, "I will, I will be honored." Vaidom Aharon. Vaidom Aharon. It's like, this is like, like a mystery. What, what is Vaidom Aharon? He was quiet. What was he quiet about? I imagine he didn't know whether to, ha- to be happy or to cry. He didn't know. He didn't know really what happened. What does Rashi say? How does Rashi explain it? Who has said so Rashi says, Moshe Rabbeinu said, this is what God said. Where did God say this? He calls pasuk. That the pasuk is really talking about people who express kavod for Hashem. Amarlo Moshe Aaron. Aaron Achita, listen to this Rashi. You know Rashi? He's the creator of the Chumash that we learn. I mean, Rashi is not a commentary in the sense that he makes it easier for you to go through the Chumash. Rashi is the redactor of the Chumash. I like to use that word redactor because it reminds us of the wrong things. But Rashi is the redactor of the Torah. What is the Torah? It is what Rashi says it is. That's what happened. You can't learn Chumash without Rashi. Anybody, there's no Jew who learns Chumash without Rashi. So Rashi wrote the Chumash, so to speak. He didn't write it. Uh, he didn't use material, but he invented But he kind of invented our focus. And what does Rashi say about this Pasuk? Look, he says, Out, Amrulo Moshe Amalo Moshe Aaron. Moshe goes to Aaron and he says, Aaron Achi. Yodea hayiti sheyit kadesh abayit bimyuda'am shomakom. I knew that this house, this mishkan, this tabernacle would be sanctified bimyuda'am shomakom from those who know God, who are close to God, who are near God. And he said, hayiti savur obi obicha. And I thought to myself, who are these people who know God, who can sanctify the Mishkan? So I said, either you are old, or it's me, Moshe. Rashi says, Rashi says that the act of the sacrificial act of turning the Davavil into a turret, the fire came down to heaven. This was the sanctification of the Mishkan. Sanctification, that's good. Positive word. And then Mount Rabbeinu said, said, I want you to know Aaron. I thought it would be you or me who would be the sanctifiers of the Mishkan. But now I see it's your sons, Nadav Abim. So that sounds to me like a pretty positive position 
You can't get much more positive. So even though they were Makriv and Eshara, maybe the Eshara that they was not so terrible. It was an Eshara. But the purpose somehow was to sanctify the Mishkan according to this Rashi. And that sanctification was, was done by burning up the sanctifiers. That's how close they came, how close they came to HaKadosh Baruch he was quiet. He says he received a reward for being quiet. What was his reward? What was the reward that Aaron received? The next parasha, the parasha Shtuyeyai, the parasha that says that you, Aaron, and your sons and all the Kohanim cannot drink before you go to do the Avodah of the Beit HaMikdash by Dabe Hashem El Aharon. Not El Moshe, not El Moshe, but El Aharon, but El Aharon. So that, that Aaron recognized the fact that the death of his sons was in some way in some way so important, but he had managed to educate them to do, to be, to act, was so important that he received a parasha in the Torah that was given to him directly without the intermediary of Moshe Rabbeinu. So I ask you again, Nadav Avir, were they good or were they bad? Did they do a good thing, did they do a bad thing? Certainly Rashi is confusing us here and there. The end of that Pasuk, the end of that Pasuk says, Right, Rashi says, brings justice into the word to the righteous. We praise God. In came the Elu, Kolshikain, If if a, a, a judgment of the Tzadikin is praiseworthy, certainly a judgment of the Rishaim is uh, praiseworthy. Kolshikain, Rishaim. Many quotes of Pasuk. Uh, I think there's one more Pasuk. Maybe more. Oh, there's more. Pasuk Dalet. Pasuk Dalet. Vayikra Moshe el Mishael ve'otzafan b'nei Uziel doda Aaron vayomer alehem kirvu sa'u et achecha b'et p'nei ha'kodesh el mi'chutz la'machan ha'mi'et p'nei ha'kodesh Take them away from p'nei ha'kodesh Again, p'nim But we will We'll go on, right? Pasuk, hey Vayikrivu vayisa'um b'kutanotam so this terrible event, this Avelut, 
mourning, everybody's mourning the death of the Zazavir. Why would you mourn the death of a sinner? Why would you mourn the death of those who were punished? Uh, that's not so clear. And the last pasuk is so what I wanted to say, we'll leave out the last Rashi, what I wanted to try to explain was that Nadav Aviyu in Rashi are not obvious personalities. Even though the Torah says Eshzara, and even though Eshzara sounds to be something against the rules, against the Halakha, and even though it's the same word as Zar HaKarev Yumat, stepping over a boundary, there seems to be a lack of clarity in Chazal, as presented to us by Rashi, right, about the nature, about the nature of these people, Nadav who are they? What did they do? I don't mean we know they're the sons of Aaron, but what did they do? And how bad was it? And, and could, could it have happened otherwise? All of these questions come up because we learned Rashi. Now I want to just look at the Rashbam for a minute. You know the Rashbam I told you many times. The Rashbam was Rashi's grandson. And he considers himself to be the one who continued the Rashi kind of interpretation. Except that he says himself that he had a certain kind of uh, interest in what he calls pshat. He, the Rashbab, calls pshat. Like he says, sometimes Rashi went too far and quoted material that took you away from the pshat. So he's going to bring us back. He, the Rashbab, is going to bring us back to the to Rashi. So it's an interesting study. It's actually an idea when you learn Rashi, whatever you learn over the in Rashi, take a look and see if there's a Rashbab. Anyway, there were other Mephoshim that disagree with Rashi. Yes, I mean, that's certainly true. But the Rashbam is nuanced disagreement. So in, in principle, he accepts the authority of Rashi. He sets on himself. The Rashbam wrote that in his introduction to his commentary, which for some odd reason is printed in the beginning of the parashah of Vayeshev. Remember Vayeshev, Yaakov, Yosef? Remember that? Just brace it. We did that already. But in the beginning of Vayeshev, there's a very long introductory paragraph written by the Rashbam about his own enterprise. Like, what am I doing? He says, well, I'm, you know, I'm with Rashi, he says. In fact, he asked Rashi for permission to write his commentary because he knew that Rashi's commentary is very important. He didn't want to seem uh, at odds with Rashi in some way. So he asked him. He went and asked his grandfather, is it okay if I write a perush on, on the Chumash? And then he said, what is my perush going to be? He said, all the new kinds of, well, I, I don't know exactly what he meant, but, but the new pshatim, the new simple straightforward meaning Right, you know that that's the difference between pshat and drash. Pshat and drash. What's a drash? A drash is never changing. Never changes. It's there. You can't write a drash. 
Hadrash is the musings of Chazal. That's a drash. What's a pshat? A pshat changes all the time. Like somebody looks and finds out the new meaning for the word zar, zara, eish zara, so you have a new pshat. But it doesn't affect the drash. The drash is a traditional rendition. It comes from the, uh, from the teachers to the students. That's a drash. Pshat. You can invent it. Invented it. People like it, so it's good. They don't like it, they just won't pay any attention. So let's look at the Rashbah on this on this uh, topic. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? So let's look at the top of the sheet. See the top of the sheet by Yikra Perikhet. These are the last sukim in Perikhet. Perikhet is Nadavavihu. The last sukim. What was happening? You know that Moshe Rabbeinu put up the Mishkan and took down the Mishkan, put up the Mishkan. You may milu in. You may milu in. At the end, on the last day, Moshe Rabbeinu invested Aaron with the authority of the priesthood. He made Aaron into a priest on the last day. Everybody is waiting there for something glorious to happen. They're bringing a sacrifice. They brought a sacrifice and they brought a turret and they're waiting for something to happen. And Moshe Rabbeinu says to Aaron, you're the man. Up to now, I did it. I, Moshe Rabbeinu, did it during the main meal, but now on the last day of the Miluim, you, Aaron, are taking over. You're taking over. So the Pasuk says, Vayavo Moshe Aaron. Both of them came together, Omo'ed. Omo'ed is a synonym for the Mishkan. In the, in the middle of the Mishkan was the Omo'ed, right? The tent of meeting where people got together, where the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim were. By by Moshe I guess they went in, and then it says by they came out, by and they blessed the people. They plural by Moshe and Aaron by Hashem El Kol Ha'am, and suddenly everybody saw Kavod Hashem. What did they see exactly? It doesn't say in the pasuk, but they saw something. When they were at Har Sinai, what did they see? They saw clouds. What did they hear? There was a fire and noise. And what did they see here? We don't know. But they say, Eish, milifnei Hashem, v'tokhal ala mitzvah et ha'olah Right? They, the fire came out of heaven, milifnei Hashem. Right? You see that phrase again? The sacrifice and the facts So something great happened. Something great happened at the end of the Meimiluim that God somehow signaled to the people that God was pleased with the building of the Mishkan, with the giving of the Korban. And the Korban was eaten up by the fire from heaven. 
So now let's look at the Rashbam again. You see the Rashbam? Back to the Rashbam. Before we look, well, then we'll look at Rashi. First the Rashbam. The Rashbam says, Yechub b'nei Aron adav aviyu Kodem shi'atai b'nei Hashem. Kodem. The Eish b'nei Hashem is the end of Perek Tesh that we just learned. So even before that, Nadav aviyu lakhu ish machtato lahaktir ketores lifadnim so each of them, Nadav and Avihu, they took their censers and they were going to bring a sacrifice on this Machazahab. Sharei Ketoret Shel Shachar Kodemet Le'evarim. So the Rajvan tells us Halacha, the Ketoret Shel Shachar, the, the, the um, incense offering given in the morning. Kodemet le'emorim, evarim, evarim are all the 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 innards that were burned on the on the mizbeach. When Atan b'hem eish zara, asher lo tziva otam, Moshe b'yom hazeh. He says, on the one hand, the Rishbam says they were halachically with it, madavavi, because they knew that the Torah should be given. When before the parts, the animal parts that were sacrificed should be burnt on the mizbeach, he says, "But k'torah shoshachah v'david leivarim v'natnuva hanech zara asher lo tivel tamoshev yomazeh." So now you remember Rabbi Yisrael in the Rashi or uh, 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 Rabbi Eliezer, right? You remember Rabbi Eliezer said they didn't ask Moshe Rabbeinu; they knew something. But they didn't get the tzivui from Moshe Rabbeinu. They didn't do anything wrong, exactly. Did they do the right thing or the wrong thing? Well, they did the right thing. They were halakhically correct, but they did the wrong thing because they didn't wait for Moshe Rabbeinu to tell them to do it. And so they may have had knowledge about Korbanot and about, but, but that knowledge came to them from some kind of academic source. You know, they had a book, they learned the book, they knew about, they knew about Korbanot, but they did not, they did not get a directive from Moshe Rabbein until the age of the Rav. Moshe because Moshe had a reason for not telling them. Because he wanted the people to be overwhelmed by the fire that came down from heaven and not from some fire. Hedyot. Hedyot means... It was not commanded. It was not directed. Right? Head yod is the opposite of professional. Right? It's anybody could be a head yod. He says, the fish are human sapinli without eish kavloa. Velotovayom lavi eishara. And this is not a good day. Kosh Rabbeinu said to bring a foreign kind of fire. Kedei lit kadesh shem shamayim. And, and, and so that was the tension. So if you see this Rashi you see this Rashi suddenly Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Ishmael, 
are clarified to us. It wasn't that they did anything wrong in the essence of it. But they kind of mismanaged the Torah. The Torah said that you could you do what you do based on the authority that passes down the information to you. It's not true that everybody can go and decide on his own what should be done, even if you have a good svarah. Because the Torah doesn't live on good svarah. The Torah lives on the tradition of interpretation that's passed down from the authority to the students, from the authority to the authority to the students. And so not asking Moshe Rabbeinu was a breach of an essential Torah uh, position. That's what the Rashbam said. But the Rashbam has brought us a little closer to understanding, a little closer to understanding what it is that... Uh, okay, I would like to learn these Rashis also, but I wouldn't have time. You have to learn these Rashis yourself. I won't have time to look at the, the Nitzvah. And I want to look at the Nitzvah. You know the Nitzvah? Not only Tzvi Yehuda Berlin. Berlin. Right, he had a son who changed his name from Berlin to Bar-Ilan. Bar-Ilan, and that's uh, the person that the university, Bar-Ilan, is named after. Like an illustrious family. The Nitzvah was the Rosh Hashiva Mahalajan for 40 years. Maybe even more than four years. Until it closed. He closed the Yeshiva Belozhin because the, um, the Russian Ministry of Education insisted that they put in secular studies, secular learning in the Yeshiva. And for a while, I mean, this was going on for a while, for a while, and it seemed somehow uh, was willing to play around with this, right? To make believe that he did it. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, these stories repeat themselves in Jewish history. But finally he realized that uh, the Russians were adamant. Of course, you know, they had, there were Jews who pushed them in that direction, like the, the Maskilin, the new intelligentsia of the Jewish people, was against the old style, you know, like learning in the old way, and they wanted to... So in order to, to, to make sure that that would change, they, um, they pointed to the yeshiva in Volozhin as a place in which uh, modern kind of learning did not exist. And so the Russians wanted to close the five uh, The Russians wanted to change it. And finally, then Tzib realized that he couldn't uh, control the situation, so he closed the yeshiva and moved to Warsaw. Those of you who have been to... Uh, you know, these Poland trips. So you always go one day to Warsaw. In Warsaw you go to the cemetery. In the cemetery there's an Ohel and buried in the same Ohel is Rav Chaim Salavechik and the Nitzivu were related to each other. But both of them were for a while in uh, the Yeshiva in Volozhe. The Nitzivu remained. Rav Chaim left and went to Brisk where he became a brisker. <laughs> and, uh, and, okay, so that's like this, uh, it's, I think it's good to know a little bit about the people who wrote what it is we're trying to learn. So listen to the see 
If it's E, you'll see. Okay, we just we'll look at the beginning. We'll look at the beginning. Bnei Aharon Nadav Is that what the pasuk says? You see, pasuk Perikyut pasuk Aleph. Vayichu Bnei Aharon Nadav Raviu. Vayichu Bnei Aharon Nadav Raviu. Now, it's hard to make an issue out of that, but the Nitziv managed. Look at this. He's a locative. Uh, like, is there a difference between B'nei Aron and Nadav Aviyu, or you say Nadav Aviyu, B'nei Aron? He says, Mishandashu, B'torat Kohanim, or Mechilta, the Miluim, it doesn't matter what that, that all is. Shalok al ku kavod la Aron. Shinagu kimo shalok hayubanah. That's why it says in the Pasuk, B'nei Aron, and who are they? Nadav Aviyu. That somehow there's a disconnect between Aharon and his sons. He had sons. But if there was no disconnect, it would have said, it would have said, Nadav Aviyu, B'nei Aharon. Shinaguk, Moshe Loa Yubanav, Bahafi, Nidrash, Rapagav, Yishlav, Rikushtay, B'nei Yaakov, Shimon, Vilevi. So he says there's another pasuk, Shnei b'nei Yaakov, Shimon v'Levi also. Right? Remember Shimon v'Levi? Yeah. They went to war against Shem, Hamor. Yes? They went to war. And that was against Yaakov's wishes. He, he didn't want them. He didn't want them to go, to go to war. So in that pasuk it also says, Vayichu Shnei b'nei Yaakov, uh, Shimon the Levi. So there's like a disconnect implied between the children and the fathers. The children and the fathers. Eizarai, you see, I want to skip a little bit. You see about seven, the seventh line. Eizarai shalotzi zaratav. Ena lashon miduyak, he said. This is not perfectly clear. Shari asura yalavi eizarai. Ve'ev sheyach lomar ashalotzi the mashma shalom nisaru al zeh, shalom nisaru avodizara kain gadol. He says it can't be. It can't be that uh, that they wanted to bring an eisara shalom tziva. But it's the same thing. Vayem ashikatav baal haturim obederch drash and iskar. Forgot. Shenichnesa me eish hit lahavut shel avat Hashem. Right. It's what happens, we're going to get to it in a minute. Lo tziva. Lo shikatav le'el v'shev etorat kohanim ala pasuk v'yom ha-moshe v'hadavah. So again, according to the, the, the Nitziv, the way the Nitziv is going to get us out of this problem is by saying the following, that what prompted Nadav Aviv was Avat Hashem. What is Avat Hashem? Well, it's like Ahava. It's like Ahava, it's not controllable. That's what real Ahava is. 
Real Ahava, as you know, is not controllable. If you have to protect your children, just with your children, they, they, there's no uh, uh, rationale. You never say, you never say, oh, this I'm not going to be able to handle. So, you know, so let, you know, let the kid get hit by a car. I mean, who would say a thing like that? What parent would act in that way? Uh, being a parent, being a parent produces, I mean, I'm talking about regular people, normal people, right? I know there are crazy people in the world. Being a parent produces unbridled ava, so that if you find that one of your children is in, in danger, you run smack at the danger and, and, and go to save. You don't think about it. That's what Ava is. So what is Ava Hashem? Ava Hashem is unbridled love of God. You just have to go where God is. If God indicates that He is somewhere, so you've got to go there. That's the unbridled love, and that according to the according to the um, the Nasib was the illness that Nadav and Avihu suffered from. So if you look at the Harchev Dabar, you see that's the paragraph further down, there's a paragraph. Harchev Dabar is the Nitzv's commentary on the Nitzv. That was good. You know, it's like a way of saving paper. But he rewrote, so he used to say the Shiurim in the Yeshiva. So he would go through the whole, you know, Sukkim every year. And then, you know, after many years, he had this, he had this whole commentary. What does Harchev Dabar mean? Right? One is called Shimon, one is called Lady. So you, most people can add one plus one to get two. Why does the Torah tell us that there were two? So the answer is, There were two of them. They weren't the same. They weren't one. Masha Enken Khan. Shnehem Nechnesu Bederech Echan Shoavat Hashem. Right? Here, here, it doesn't say Shnei B'nei Aaron. It says B'nei Aaron that they were the same, they were together in this mitzvah of Avat Hashem. Lo yechul is a peg. Alat shukah. Lasig da'at v'kavod elokim. They could not refrain from understanding more about God and coming close to the glory of God. And because of this great desire that they had, they went in to give a korban in the Heichal, right, the Kodesh. The Heichal. The Ktorah to the Varha Mevili Yad Hitkarvut And we know that the Ktorah, the incense offering, Brings you closer to heaven, Valkane, Nivchar HaKetoret, Laharan Ish, right, the 250 men, the Makhloket, Korach, 
אשר גם המה נתעצמו בזו התשוקה יותר מהמידה, כמו שביארנו שם. אוקיי, so this is the idea of the נציב. The idea of the נציב is that נדב ואביהו suffered from a tremendous love of God. And that love of God directed them so clearly that they even were willing to jeopardize themselves in order to fulfill that love that they had. Which, as I argue, is a factor, a feature of love. That's what love is. Love is you're willing to go beyond what seems reasonable, rational, understandable. That's the parents and the children, the mothers and the babies. Right? It's quite clear that there's a There's a, a point at which rational thinking right, gives in to Ava, to love. And so Nadava Aviv, it's not easy to determine. It's not easy to determine what they did. But there's no doubt that they did something wondrous. It was not something that the Torah could put up with. The Torah could not accept Nadava view as a model for denying the principle of Hazor HaKarevumat, a principle that was invented in Matan Torah. After all, Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountain and everybody else waited for him, waited for him down below. Now you know that B'nai Yisrael were lacking this feature of Avat Hashem because when Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, We'll go up to get the rest of the Torah. They said to Moshe Rabbeinu, no, no, you go. We'll wait for you. When you come down, you'll teach us the Torah. So the Nadav Aviv, the story of the Nadav Aviv is almost a tikkun in the Hasidic sense for the mess that B'nai Yisrael made. I mean, why was it that B'nai Yisrael were able to, to build the golden calves, the Egel Azahar? I mean, what was the, the core that they had standing in Har Sinai and, and, and receiving the Torah? I mean, what kind of inner strength did it take to build a, 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 an idol and worship it? And how did they do that? Well, because the Avat Hashem was missing. Was missing. They knew there was a God. They knew that God was powerful. They didn't want to rush into the jaws of the fire. That they were not willing to do. And so they were able to build. They were able to build the golden calf in some way. Nadava Aviyu. And that's why Nadava Aviyu are, are repeated again and again. And there was sometimes, it happened in history, that we had this tremendous debt to Nadava Aviyu because he reinstated Avat Hashem. Reinstated Avat Hashem as a critical, as a critical part of our, 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 our faith system. We are the ones who love God. But we also know, we also know that the unbridled love <coughs> exhibited by Nadav Abiyu, while it's something wondrous in itself, could not be tolerated, could not be tolerated by the, the nation. To be a nation, you have to make compromises. Nation can't work where everybody does their own thing. But that's only for young people. But a nation, nation has to have standards. People have to know when they're in. 
And, and, and so even if there isn't that level of Avat Hashem, even if you are aware of the prohibition of Azar Akare Yumat, you could still be in. That's what the Torah says. And the Mishkan, the Mishkan tells you that here's God right over there, but you can't go there. That's not for you. That's just an idea. And so Madav Aviyu are repeated four times in the Torah because this idea is an idea that, that religious people, I mean, you know, sincere people, often, often fall on this point they, 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 that they say, I'm going to leave the rules. I'm going to do more than the rules. I'm going to do better than the rules. And, and that is not a possibility for a nation. The nation cannot exist if everybody goes and fights the rules on their own. So Nadav Avil taught us this lesson. The Torah repeats the death of Nadav Avil again and again, four times in all. Have a good chance. Oh, next week there's a shir. Next week there's a shir. The week after that there's probably no shir. And the week after that there'll be a shir on the Haggadah. So have a Next week, there is a shear. The week after that, there's probably no shear. The week after that, there's a shear on the Haggadah. This year's Haggadah.